Okay, so oh, you you're double fisting. No, just one fist, but two beers. This is the Off Five podcast. Hey yo. Welcome to our podcast um, where we talk about the office. We sure do. This episode is about season three, episode three of The Office, called The Coup. The P is silent. What P? In coup. Oh, in coup. Yes. I thought you meant the P in office. No, there's no P in office. It's very noisy. <laughs> and it came out on October 5th, 2006. Oh, yeah. That wow. was the day. We're in October now. Getting ready for Halloween. It's 2006. Bush is president. Those were the days. Yep. <laughs> it's frightening. Spooky. Yeah, it Spooky was. Spooky time. At the time, yeah. yeah. Little did we know. Little did we know. So this episode is about a coup. Okay. And um, I think now is the time for you to read the description. Is that right? Yeah. Wikipedia is the best thing ever is the name of the segment. And we we'll talk about the description on Wikipedia. And I was listening to the previous episode and it said... Uh, and by it, I mean I said that you would read it this time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. So here. Okay. I'm going to hand over this bad boy to your hands. Thank you. Just so you know, you're getting the best possible information because it's from Wikipedia. Absolutely, you are. In this episode, Jan Levinson becomes unimpressed with how Michael Scott is controlling his branch. So Dwight Schrute tries to take his job and an office power play ensues. Meanwhile, Pam Beasley conducts a lunchtime fashion show, and the Stanford branch plays Call of Duty as a team-building exercise, something Jim Halpert does not do well in. That does it. That's it. That's uh, the description. Actually, I have a problem with this description, because it doesn't mention the whole Dwight becoming the manager, fake manager, for a little bit. Yeah. It's a big part of the episode. Yeah, it says something about a power play, but... What does that the, mean? Yeah. Power play. Power play. <laughs> Here, I'm going to read part of the synopsis that describes that specific part. In case you haven't seen this episode recently and you want to be reminded about The Office. Michael leads Dwight to believe that he has been given control of the branch before revealing the ruse. Dwight begs for his job and Michael's forgiveness while Angela and the rest of The Office watch. And Dwight offers to do Michael's laundry. Okay, whatever. But <laughs> laundry ensues. Laundry. Yeah. Even though he's a laundry machine. Yeah, it's true. Do you think Dwight has one too? Um, no, I bet he has one of those little um, boards. Washboard? Yeah, washboard. Yeah, exactly. They're not just for music anymore. You can also <laughs> wash on them. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true because they have an outhouse and only one bathroom and it's under the porch. So probably yeah. they don't have a laundry room. Mm, yeah, no. Yeah. Mm, probably not. Um, well, let's go into our next segment. Great Scott Productions and Trivia. The episode was written by co-executive producer Paul Lieberstein. Toby Flenderson. That's right. And directed by executive producer Greg Daniels. Hey, he's back. He's back. Um, did you know that this episode, in a lot of people's minds, Angela is kind of like Lady Macbeth? There's yeah. a lot of Shakespearean aspects to this episode, I, I guess. Because I'm a scholar of Shakespeare. Same. When I, when I saw it. This episode, I was like, hmm, reminds me of my old friend, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> so it reminds me of Romeo and Juliet, the Claire Danes one. Yeah. The Leo one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Love and Leo Club. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. In the Scholastic Bus Club, there was a, a thing called Love and Leo, and it was like a book, but I'm guessing it was mostly just like a pamphlet, and it came with a locket that said Love and Leo. Oh, and it was about Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to get in on that. Yeah. Oh, but man, imagine what that would be worth now. Yeah, for real. But you could bring it to Leonardo DiCaprio, and he would have to give you a kiss, <laughs> as was written <laughs> in Scholastic Book Club magazine. Oh, those were the days. Okay, so let's do some references with Kevin's Chilies. There's a lot of pop culture references in this episode. Heck yeah, there were. What you got? Varsity Blues, the yeah. movie that they're watching, which I've s- never seen. Oh, me neither. Um, Entourage. Entourage. Which I have seen. Yeah, is it good? Um, not particularly, but um, I watched it all, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Question. What episode do you think they watched six times? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't seen it in so long. Um, they're all kind of bro-y, I would say. Sure. Um, really entertaining. It's kind of like the sex in the city of the bro entertainer world. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know which episode they would have watched. Entourage. Entourage. Call of Duty. Cod, baby. The World War II one. I don't know anything about that either. It's a first-person shooter that people were really into for a while, and now not so much. Now it's all about Fortnite. Yeah. Actually, I don't want to date the podcast. Yeah. It's all about insert name of current game people are talking about (laughs) here. Yeah, because it'll probably change in the next six months or so. Yeah, people will be like, I hate Fortnite now. I don't keep up with it. I only played it for two weeks. Yeah. Boring. Do you get that? Because that's what a Fortnite is. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. There's some some places, some fashionable places. Liz Claiborne and Taylor. That's where Jan likes to shop. She gets her earrings. And And Taylor and camisoles and blouses. Many of her... Many of her blouses are Claiborne's. Okay. Um, Dwight knows a lot about that. Um, since we're talking about it, what's a halter top? That's a shirt that is has no straps except for the ones that you tie on behind your neck. Oh, cool. Those are nice. Um, what's a camisole? That's just like a, as they called in the, in the 90s, spaghetti straps. Okay. It's way too fancy of a name for that. Yeah, like cami is usually. Okay. And what's a teddy? Is that that's a, some like lingerie? Okay, that's what I thought. So I don't know why he was asking about that. It's really <laughs> weird. It's kind of at the end, he just texts it on. And yeah. also, they would never sell that at Liz Claiborne. Really? No. I thought they sold like earrings there. It's like um, something like an your aunt would wear. You know? Oh, really? Like ri- like nice like blouses and slacks. Okay, not Victoria's Secret. No. Who's Ann Taylor? Um, so Ann Taylor is a fashionable woman, um, classic design, nice, like, interview clothes. Lots of black and whites. Yeah. Is she related to Elizabeth Taylor? Her younger sister. What? No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, she live in the garment district? Probably. Cool, cool. I don't, yeah, that's all I know about. I mean, they're, Liz Claiborne, I feel like, and Ann Taylor are pretty similar. Yeah. I'm glad I could do a fashion lesson for our listeners. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knew that stuff, but I didn't. <laughs> fashion. But you know what I do know about? What? Pretendinitis. Pretendinitis. <laughs> so, pretendinitis kind of sounds like it's just a combination of pretend and like 
tinnitus? Yeah, like a disease. Yeah, but it's got tinnitus in it too. Pretendinitis. Yeah. Well, it says okay. So it says it says pretendinitis, which sounds like tendinitis, which is like an inflammation of your tendons. But it should sound it should be like pretendinitis because tinnitus is ringing in your ears. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. It sounds like um, Count Choculitis. That's right. And uh, I can't even remember. That was so long ago. Yeah. And Jim says that they don't play games like that in Scranton. Instead, one time Pam said this thing and they did a thing together. Yeah. That's what they do. He's so missing her. But maybe not so much. We'll see. Yeah. Are you ready for Finder Things Club? Yes. What did you find so fine? One thing that I like and say a lot whenever it comes up, whenever it can possibly be crammed into a conversation is fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. Same. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I say that probably once a week, I would say at least. Yeah. If anyone is talking about either lunch or fashion, right. I will say that. <laughs> Any loose association. Because yeah. they're never doing talking about actually having a fashion show at lunch. No, but if anyone's like... Oh, do you want to see what I just bought? Like, let me try it on for you. I'll be like, fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. It's funny because Kelly says it twice. Yeah. So it's like she turns it into a song. And Pam is like not into it. No. She's like, no. But she's still playing along a little bit. Yeah. I actually like that top. I didn't think it was too revealing. Like, there's a really normal. It was just like a normal. It looks, it looked like an Ann Taylor blouse. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> that is funny. It seems like Kelly and uh, Pam kind of becoming friends. Yeah. Like Pam is maybe admiring Kelly, looking at what she's doing because she let her set up on the blind date and then she went on the double date with her and now she's letting her buy her clothes. So I think when she looks around the office, that's who she wants to be. She doesn't want to be, uh, you know, Meredith or Phyllis. Yeah, and there's not a lot of options for friends, especially because Jim is gone now. And it doesn't seem like Pam has a social life outside of work. Because, especially because she says, well, it's going to be nice to have something to wear after work that's not just pajamas. Which is a really sad notion that she just comes home, puts her pajamas on. Even though I do that like four days a week. (laughs) And I wear basically the same clothes I used to wear when I was hanging out to work. Yeah. But still half of the time I change into other clothes just because it's like a different feeling. It is. And I think it's really important, too, to have clothes that you work in. And then when you get home, you change into something that you're not working in because Mm -hmm. it can condition your brain to kind of leave work at work. So this is good for Pam. Very good. Yes. What do you have for the finer things, Chloe? Um, I have the way Michael was eating popcorn. (laughs) How was he eating popcorn? Um, I don't know. Just like he was the only one eating it. And when um, Jan walks in, he's kind of just like casually like putting it in his mouth, not like really chewing, you know, like, you know how people do that, like distractedly. Yeah. I just thought it was a good touch of sucro. Uh, hope hope about the milk duds. <laughs> yeah. And he's like hungry for popcorn. Yeah. Even though it's the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i love how he says uh um, krentis krentis yeah and he's like what leaves such a long pause before dwight says it he's like krentis you know <laughs> and it's so suspicious like it's he really should have referred back to his 
things about what people do when they lie and try not to do any of them yeah. instead of doing all of them. But <laughs> but then Michael's playing like a tough guy, so he's like, "Oh, I glad everything's okay." <laughs> he, they're just both looking so weird in it's this. It's such a like weird interaction. Yeah. It's like, how does Dwight not pick up on the fact that Michael knows exactly what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also like when Michael says, hug it out, bitch. Mm-hmm. But does that translate to you as a woman? Not necessarily. <laughs> Michael's think... found that it just doesn't. Question. Do you think Daryl taught him that? Yeah, probably. It seems kind of like some other things that he teaches him later during the negotiation. Like, um, my favorite episode, you mean? That's right. Um, like, bippity-boppity. Yeah, give me the zappity. The other things like that. Um, I also like Dwight, it's right after Hug It Out, or right before Hug It Out, bitch, when he's got the drip of saliva coming down from his mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a huge It's all drip. foamy. Yeah, it's gross. But it's funny. Finer Every time, things. I always remember it as being snot. But it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Oh, wait. Here we go. Hug it out, bitch, according to Urban Dictionary, is a phrase invented by slick as agent Ari Gold Mm. in one of the first episodes of HBO Entourage. Oh. That's probably the episode they had to watch so many times. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I looked that up and we didn't have to get corrected on that. That is amazing. (laughs) Popular amongst teens in the U.S. as a way to make up with your friends when you've just accidentally insulted them in some way. I knew I had heard that before. And, of course, Ari Gold would say that because he's the main character's, like, agent. Mm -hmm. And he's such a douchebag. He's kind of a creep in real life, too, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, and it's also that's the first definition. The second one is also some people think it was invented by Steve Carell in a recent episode of The Office. Great show. These people are sadly mistaken. Oh, <laughs> especially since Carell attributes it to Ari slash Jeremy in the show. Pay attention, people. Pay attention, people. I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah. Urban Dictionary is the second best source because it's also it's crowdsourced. Crowdsourced. And then person one, I can't believe you stole my. F- pudding (laughs) person two i'll pay you back person one fine i'm still mad though person two come on hug it out let's hug it out bitch (laughs) and scene and scene (laughs) should have done different voices for those or something good that was good the pudding submitted october 25th 2006 they were on it that's why it was a recent episode of the office oh wow those were the days Oh, yeah. Submitting to Urban Dictionary. Yep. But hug it out, bitch. You always, like, submit your friend's first and last name and then put some stupid thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're Uh, being a real... uh, Well, I don't want to say anyone's first and last name. (laughs) You're being a real... uh, Ari Gold. (laughs) (laughs) You're being a a real Roger Stone. Oh, burn. Like a Roger Stone. (laughs) On my own. (laughs) Okay, do you have anything else for Finer Things Club? You know what? No. Yeah, not really, because I covered it in the other things. Well, okay, so the, the scorn a woman and she'll never let it go. It's one, one of the, the many defects. That yeah. Also weak arms. Yeah. Some uh, politician tweeted that without credentials, and they got in huge hot water. But I was looking at it, and nobody was saying, that's a quote from The Office. Like They were just like, I think that person ended up having to apologize, but they didn't even say it was a quote from The Office. Like, what's going on? Who was it? 
don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm lying. Like a real lion Ted. Being a real Roger Stone over here. <laughs> Let's see. Scorn a woman and she'll never forgive you. That seemed kind of Shakespearean. Hmm. I think the bard said those same words. Yes, the bard. Uh, hug thee out, bitch. Hug thee out. <laughs> um. So our next segment is called. We got to make sure YouTube comes down to film this. Yeah. Where we talk about the documentary style of The Office. And the camera work, generally. Yeah, camera work, crews, like where they're at, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have for this? First, I've got several things, but the first one is Pam looking at the camera when she says, we watched a medical video, and then she pauses. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It was my question. What was the medical video? I have to assume something about like women's health because of the way she oh, looked. Oh, okay. Maybe like the miracle of childbirth or, or changing bodies. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's just the vibe I got. Just like whatever VHS tape Michael had and yeah. from, I don't know. Because it wasn't like a grossed out look. It was more like just like, you know. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what video would a office have? It was probably something by Mr. Brown. I doubt it. <laughs> He's so classy. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's true. What, what do you got for that segment? Um, so Jan pulling up before she comes in and to see that they're doing Movie Monday, you can kind of see her through the blinds, mm-hmm. like the camera just caught her. Yeah, Dwight's closing the blinds, but the camera zooms past it and yeah. sees her. They don't interfere though. Yeah, they're not like ooh. Yeah, they're not like hey, turn it off. Turn it off. I don't want Jan to see us all watching a movie. Well, and Michael doesn't even seem concerned about that at all. That's true. He doesn't get that uh, guilty caught look when she comes in. Yeah. Um, and then there's the classic, like, Angela and Dwight conversation where they're not looking at each other. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to know that the camera's filming, but they're still talking to each other. Yeah. Um, about the coup, like, overtaking Michael's position. It's exactly like what happened in the convention where... Um, Angela is, you know, questioning Dwight's judgment or authority or whatnot. Rightly so. Yeah, true. Angela's really mad at Michael in this one. Yeah, she really is. One thing just generally I noticed is the camera's really shaky and kind of whipping around a lot when whenever they're talking in the office. And I really liked it. It was very season one, maybe. Yeah. Like, really good work, especially... The scene where Michael's about to fire Dwight-ish. Yeah. And then, like, there's two cameramen in there. So one of them's on them. And then it'll cut to the other one. And sometimes they're more zoomed in on one of their faces. But then other times it's just filming them outside the office, like, zooming in on different people outside the door or the the blinds in Michael's office to the, to the office generally. Because the door's wide open, so everyone's staring. Yeah, especially Ryan. There was one look that Ryan... Made and it was like unimpressed. Where yeah. he was like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Let yeah. me make no sales. Exactly. Like <laughs> I can't believe because they they were taking it so seriously and putting on such a show. Yeah. So this season is pretty long. I'm sure we could talk about this later, but Ryan never makes a sale the whole time he's in that job. He works like half a year there without making a single sale, because later on Dwight says he never made a single sale. Well, is it that is it about new clients? Is that what a sale oh. is? So or... he probably took over Jim's clients? Yeah. Um, but I doubt he made like any new sales. He probably just 
Who's restocking? I don't really know what they do. You got to re- restock those clients. So yeah, like continuing their next order or something. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Like managing orders. I don't know. That's just a guess though. I like to pretend whenever you have a question that I know the answer. That's good. <laughs> Somebody needs to. <laughs> well, I can just pretend. Um, there's one scene where it's right outside of the Stanford branch and it kind of reminded me of what they used to do on like 90s sitcoms where they show the outside of the building. Oh yeah, like an establishing shot. Yeah, and um it's like in a I guess Stanford is a um town on the water cuz there's like boats and stuff and then it zooms in on their window. Oh yeah, cuz Jim says you can't beat that view last yeah. episode. Or yeah. Or a couple episodes ago. They have a really nice office there. It's way nicer than the Scranton one. Yeah. They even have like uh those fogged glass you know, the fog or uh, what do you call it? The uh, sandblasted glass in the sh- letters of Dunder Mifflin. Oh, okay. Like, wow. Yeah. And the flooring in, like, is stone. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. They're the favorite child. I guess so. Them and Josh. Um, Actually, I lied. I don't have anything else for that segment. Do you have anything else? There's one moment with Karen where... She says something to the camera about Jim when they're playing Call of Duty. Um, Look how cute he is. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought was kind of interesting because um, right after that, Jim says, psychopath. Yeah. So the documentary crew really picked up on both their moods that were like total opposites. So. And they stay on uh, Karen Yeah. after she finishes so you can get her little smile. Yeah. Her little. She's crushing. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Mm-hmm. Got Halpert coming to town, taking his bod on tour and his haircut. His bod on tour? <laughs> he didn't really have a bod back then. <laughs> but he does now, Jack Ryan. Yeah, he does. Now let's do Crack Open a Cold Open, our new segment about the cold open. And I'm very disappointed to say that this one doesn't really have a cold open because it's it has something that happens before the credits, but it's not like a separate scene. It's just yeah. them starting the popcorn Right. Michael grabbing the tape. Michael saying that he's really hungry. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of American Dad. They moved to TBS and they started doing cold opens. But like the cold opens don't make any sense. They're always the wrong length of time for a cold open and they never end on like a final joke. It's just like they just started editing in the credits after two minutes of the show or something. But it's like structured exactly, exactly like it was before. They didn't start writing different bits for the cold open. So it's really mm-hmm. awkward. And that's and it, this one's not awkward, but it it's just the episode. Yeah, there's it's not like he's talking about Oprah or right. adopting a child. I like cold opens cuz they're like a little mini episode. Exactly. A mini episode. It, it's like you get a glimpse into, you know, what goes on minute by minute or whatever in mm-hmm. the office instead of having a whole plot line. Um so yeah. Oh well. We'll keep the segment around, though. Oh, yeah. That was just disappointing to happen on its second time out. Yeah. Don't get discouraged, little guy. We'll we'll have some cold opens for you to look at soon. Don't worry. We'll we'll crack it open. Yeah. Um. So let's do, do you think the world is crawling with Phyllis's where we look at the characters, at least the ones that did something interesting this episode, because some of them did not. Yeah. Some didn't really have any purpose. Do you have any that are really short that we can go through first? Well, we kind of already talked about Kelly and how her and Pam 
are forming this new friendship. Um, Karen is kind of crashing on Jim. Mm -hmm. Um, She's really good at Call of Duty. Yeah. And she can hang with the the bros in the office, like Andy and Josh. She's like helping him and also killing him. Yeah. Jim. Um, Giving him lingering looks. Yeah. Well, Creed, or should I say Creep Bratton? Creep Bratton, yeah. Disappoints me by just looking at Pam. Yeah. He's, he is a creep. In the deleted scenes, um, we find out that he spends four nights a week sleeping under his desk. And the other one's in Canada, so he can use their welfare. (laughs) He doesn't tell them that he works in America. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Creed. Kind of on, on point for his character, I guess. Yeah, but I don't like it. Yeah, it's not funny. I mean, he does this basically again later with the, where he takes a picture of the, the breastfeeding. Oh, yeah. Right place, right time. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hannah. It's, I, like, Creed's cool, but I feel like maybe he uh, would have, would be fired or <laughs> at least reprimanded for some of those things. Yeah, definitely. So. And the mung beans in his desk. Shame. Yeah, shame. Um, who else is kind of has a short kind of. Kevin just character. does the episode recap previously on Varsity Blues. I oh, think yeah. he does a great job. Yeah, he, he does. He's not talking really slow. He remembers all the plot details, you know? He probably practiced that, which is really cute. But Dwight wanted to do it. Oh, Dwight. No whining. Um, Josh and Andy have a small part. <laughs> Andy says that he's going to kill Jim for real. For real. That's not cool. No, that's not. Josh says, you don't snipe in Carrington. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I love that moment, though, because Josh calls them in and you're supposed to think that he's like mad because they're in this competitive situation with with, like business wise with these other branches and they're all not doing well. And so he like, cause, and they make it seem like that because he calls them in. He's like, "All right, guys, put the game on hold," you know. Yeah. But then he just wants to talk to them about how they're doing in the game. I feel like it's kind of uh, just as much of a waste of time as watching Varsity Blues. It's more of a waste of time because apparently yeah. they do it all the time. And Movie Monday is only thirty minutes on one day of the week. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not trying to stick up for michael because it's not like he does a lot but i kind of do want to stick it for michael in this one because he that seems like a good morale booster it does especially on a monday morning yeah it's fun yeah and like it's short if he made him watch a whole movie yeah so the only thing i don't like is cool is like making angela watch it or making everyone watch one episode of entourage but if you're yeah. just like watching movies and like like having everyone gather in dwight's the usher telling people where to sit and then you know, like, I think probably they're happy to take a little break. And Kevin really seems to enjoy it. Yeah. And to watch a movie in 30-minute installments, I think, is a good idea. It'd be disjointed, except that Kevin does the recap. So you know exactly, exactly. where you are. Yeah. Like, when you read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> this was say that Michael keeps Varsity Blues in a safe in his office. <laughs> the VHS copy. <laughs> I... You could not give away a copy of Varsity. I'm going to say even the DVD one, you could not give away. Yeah. Well, we've never seen it, so we can't say that. I feel like we should have watched it before, just for research. For research, yeah. Yeah. Billy Bob had a concussion. 
but coach made him play anyway. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> so it's a sports movie. Yeah, it's a sports film. It's uh, not like a respected one, though. No, it's, it's got not even... James Vanderbeek in it. Oh. I'm pretty sure. That's... He references James Vanderbeek later on. Oh, really? When Jan has the new office receptionist, Hunter. Oh, right. Yeah. He's like, oh, James Vanderbeek. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Well, do you have any other characters that you have, like, uh, nothing to say about, really? <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't think so. There's only, I don't know, like, four main characters in this episode, and they all were just interacting with each other. Well, Roy is getting his third soda and tells Pam she looks nice because of how she's dressed um, because he's trying to be a better person. And I was going to ask if you think he used to compliment her, but in the deleted scenes, it actually answers that. And no, he does not. No, only on the senior prom. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was was pretty. Or if Pam asked. Yeah, he would say that she looks good. But in his defense, she never looked nice. Yeah, because she wasn't <laughs> shopping at Liz Claiborne. She outlet. only had one clothe. One cloth. Yeah. Now, Pam looked fine. The way they treat Pam on this show, the other characters, is so disappointing. You know, Pam has to not wear nice clothes so she's not sexually harassed at work. And when she dresses up, it's like nothing. Like, she, she like, like, I don't think she looks bad the other times. It's just, like, she takes off her sweater and people are like, oh, my God, Pam's hot. I couldn't see it before. She's all that. Yeah, it is really weird. And even when she's not wearing, I mean, when she's wearing, like, a normal button-up, people make comments, namely Angela makes comments about how she's, like, a sleaze, you know, yeah. I don't know. Hussy. A hussy, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess Angela would do that regardless, but... Yeah, I don't know. Pam, poor Pam. I mean, it's just who she is. Because I would say that she doesn't dress any more revealing than Phyllis does. No. that's Phyllis is always wearing like a billowy thing that's kind of cut, you know? Yeah. But, you know, then Jim's like, I see through all that sweater, you know? I don't know. It, the British office, the way that the person presented themselves was the receptionist. It was more of a like plain person. I thought. Then Pam? Yeah. This Jenna Pam? Fisher can't like hide how good looking she is. Oh, really? Because to me, I never got why. I thought it was the opposite. Like I didn't, I've never found her very attractive. Oh, really? Yeah, because I don't know. Her hair is all perm. Her hair is weird. Yeah, her hair is weird and she looks kind of mousy. Oh, I like mousy. She's she's cute. I like mousy. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess it's all subjective, but yeah, that's true. The office agrees with me whenever she takes off that sweater. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the thing about Jim and Pam is they're obviously both the best looking people in the office, mm-hmm. but they're not super good looking to where it's like really obvious. You know, it's like I don't know. I feel like it's a good hotness level for the rest of the people for like a normal. Yeah. Show that's like not staffed with supermodels. Exactly. Or like professional. Or like people who were famous stars. before. Right. You know? Like even Steve Carell wasn't that famous. And when even it he was famous in like the comedy scene, exactly. which you don't have to be. It's not like he was like an action star before or something. Yeah. I don't know. The casting is so good. Very good. Very good. And 
You know, the next character I think we could talk about is Jim because he doesn't really do that much. We no, talked about him doesn't. still missing Pam and not being good at Call of Duty. But still making an effort to connect with Karen at the end when he pretends to throw a hand grenade that at was, her. That was really sweet. That was cute. Yeah. It's it's funny because he still does it. I think part of what Karen might be attracted to him is how little he seems to be working at it. Yeah. But that's because he's just like not... Wow, I never hear tra- traffic at our house. We're, we're not yeah, close to anything weird. roads. I'm like revving engine. Um, but yeah, he seems like he has a... He seems like he is like more casual because he's just hung up on Pam. So he's not really trying. So he's not being awkward or anything. Yeah. So even when he leaves, it's not like doing a fun thing and then being like, oh, was that? You know, he's just like, see ya. Yeah. More <laughs> of like a friend or coworker yeah. kind of thing. And she's taking it more as flirty. Yeah. And I think him even doing that was kind of nice because he's just been killed all day long, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a team building exercise, but you could argue that they're not really building any teams there. But They're actually creating divisions. That's right. I mean, when you're playing Call of Duty, that's kind of your only option. I don't know. First person shooter games. Yeah. Mm. I love them. <laughs> you do? <laughs> Uh, not really i liked one which one well i like i like portal portal never heard of it half-life and and time splitters i've never heard of any of those nerds will get it nerds you better comment on our facebook page so nathan doesn't think he's alone yeah (laughs) go to the finer things club facebook page or send us an email at the off five podcast at gmail.com if you're too shy to post in public (laughs) (laughs) to admit you haven't played a video game in a while. <laughs> anyway, but you know, another good character is is Angela. Angela, yeah. She actually does have a pretty big role in this episode, maybe behind the scenes, because she's trying to get Dwight to take over the office. And she thinks that when that happens, they're going to rule it together. But apparently, she can only be in charge of the women. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, and she seems satisfied with it, too, because her face after Dwight says that mm-hmm. is, like, a little smirk. It must be another scene, but I always think she's going to say, goodbye, Kelly Kapoor. She yeah. must have said that when Dwight actually became the manager or something. Yeah. When did she say that? I feel like she, yeah, she does say that at one point, um, but I guess it's not in this episode. Yeah, because I keep thinking she's going to say it and then... It just cuts. That's not yeah. there. Maybe it's We're, a fake memory, like Kazam. We need to have our our um our ears open for that. Okay. Later on. Okay. I'm opening mine now, just in case. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> what about a little character named Jan Levinson Gould? No Gould. She doesn't even want to talk to Dwight when Dwight calls her on the phone. She just says, "Why don't you talk to Michael?" That way we don't have to ever talk. Yeah. Um, but she's kind of sucked into the the plan Yeah. by Dwight telling her which exit to take and where to get her, where to go shopping. It's like a spy movie, kind of. Yeah. What I think she likes is hearing that Michael has some dissent or something. Yeah. She loves being able to call him and say, hey, you better get a hold of your branch here because... Mm-hmm. This is not going well for you. Because she 
does kind of have it out for him. Yeah. Because as you She's can see bitter. from the, yeah, she will never let it go. No. You can kind of tell from how she acted with the movie versus how she acts in the deleted scene with the video game. But even if not, you know, presumably they're able to get away with that. Yeah. And I think she still is kind of a little disappointed because Michael actually came out on top with the convention last week. Mm -hmm. So she's probably like just thinking, ugh, he always comes out. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of a little form of microjment when she tells Michael that they can't watch a movie. Oh, yeah. But he should uh, he should be able to make a little bit better argument for the morale boosting, I think. Maybe then, if they ask people. Then that they have to like work faster to make up for lost time. Yeah. That's pretty funny, though. I mean, they're not working as hard as they can all day long. Exactly. So it makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that seems like a bad argument. If it were like half the day or something, then sure. 30 for minutes, a half hour, though. yeah. You like you do it and then you go back to work. You got voicemails to answer, ready to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. I buy it. But apparently Jan loves shopping and uh, that's about it, I guess. I like when Jan calls Michael to tell him to get a hold of the branch and Michael just assumes that she was at the dentist yeah. with Dwight. <laughs> yeah, he's so naive. Well, I also like when when she says, this isn't about a surprise party, is it? And Dwight's like, uh, no, but we should talk about that later. Yeah. Like he still wants to do a surprise party for Michael, even <laughs> though he's trying to throw a coup. <laughs> oh, I, Angela really got in his head. Mm -hmm. Because Dwight and Michael have such a delicate balance mm -hmm. relationship. It's like... Dwight isn't going to respect Michael if he's not his superior. And Michael needs that to mm -hmm. survive as manager. Yeah. He needs that validation. And Michael doesn't respect Dwight as much because he's sucking up all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about Dwight. He can't respect Michael, but he does kind of like him. At the same time, I feel like when Michael says, you've always been my most trusted ally Dwight says you said that and Michael has a look like like it's funny because he's obviously lying he's like I did but I think for a minute there Michael might realize that he could have maybe told Dwight something like that every once in a while to yeah. get him to not do this yeah and I think that's the thing that Michael realizes about this whole debacle is that he does have a power over Dwight, but then there is a power that Dwight has over him, which is he needs a little bit of like a safety officer duties mm -hmm. or, you know, assistant to the regional manager duties or something to just like, you know, he needs to be thrown a bone once in a while at least. Yeah, I think that's that's true. It's like the jungle business analogy. We just don't have the technology. Yeah. To know what's in the tiger's head. That is kind of a funny one because it does go out of the... It kind of goes off the rails, that analogy. Where he's like yeah. talking about the the lion and the monkey. Yeah. And the, the, the tiger and tiger. the monkey. And the monkey is going to stab the tiger in the back. Yeah, with a stick. Yeah. And then he's going to transfer him to the ranch. And then he's like, what does the tiger do? And it's like, the tiger just kills him without thinking. And he's like, well, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't really need to look in the tiger's head, do you? No, you don't. So it just kind of goes out goes out into nowhere. 
But Dwight also shows, I think in this episode, why he would not be a good manager at all. And he doesn't get too much of a chance to show it. But even when he's just talking to Jan, you know, question, do you think Jan would have been open to Dwight taking over if he hadn't done such a terrible job in the, like, interview at, at, at a, a restaurant? We'll say probably IHOP. No, because I think Jan, especially the only reason I'm saying no is because of their phone conversation where Jan doesn't even want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I think Jan is really creeped out by him. That makes sense. And I think she's also kind of creeped out by Michael and his relationship, too, because she's always like, hello, Dwight, like in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she would be down for him to take over. Well, because then Dwight starts talking about, well, first off, he orders all that food. And then eats it really aggressively in he's, front of her. He's staring at her and just like chopping his pancakes into a hundred pieces. Like, yeah. Like that will impress her. It's really funny. Yeah, it is really funny. Because like, here we are. <laughs> you know, he's like thinks he's making a great pitch. Yeah, and then doesn't even really have a pitch. Just get rid of says, waste. Yeah, and Jan says, "What would you do differently?" And he just assumes, "Oh, okay. So yeah. you're gonna give it to me." Yeah. Like, okay, okay, I can run it. <laughs> yeah. And um, he he, uh, he says he doesn't care about his co-workers and all this stuff. Kind of, you know, during the deleted scenes, they go a little bit more into how he was going to run by, like, getting a dress code and stuff like that. But it was going to be bad. And then Dwight later on is manager, and it is bad. Yeah. And then he's not manager. And then at the end of the show, they're like, you're manager. And like, when... When did he become good at managing? Like, he's like, yeah. He showed he was going to be bad at this twice already. Like, yeah. Oh, the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, no. It's like, you're supposed to be like, well, I guess he grew a lot. He didn't. When? When did Michael grow so much either? You yeah. kind of see that. But Dwight didn't get better at managing just because he no. learned to not hate Jim with a fiery passion. It's not like yeah. the same skill. No. Even though he never tells a lie. Yeah. That's right. all you need. So. Right. Um. I, yeah. It's especially bad for Michael when Dwight is manager. I think, I don't know, I think this management style or this management strategy that he came up with, Michael, Mm kind of on the fly, um, actually worked out really well for teaching Dwight a lesson. Yeah. Um, Because Dwight took it so seriously and even made comments like, well, it was the Sebring comment that kind of threw the whole thing off, but... The thing that really um, made Michael mad was when he was like, all right, we got to go tell everyone the news. It's like, when I'm ready, Mike. Yeah. He <laughs> downgrades him to Mike right there. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, you know, now I'll be assistant regional manager. Assistant, assistant to the regional Yeah. Even though Dwight got promoted, he's like, you got to go back. Yeah. Yeah. He immediately changes his, his uh, attitude. And I think that it would be, it's kind of, I think it's kind of lucky that it actually worked out for Michael though. Because yeah. this is really similar to his like fake firing people thing, yeah. where the the or like when he does that with Stanley later and stuff. Yeah. The problem is that people say things when you put them in this fake situation, and then if your goal is to never fire anyone like Michael's is and move on, that you, people still remember what they said. Exactly. Or like Andy later like tries to pretend to be a janitor and pretends to be all drunk, and it's like. 
um, people are still going to remember this when you like when the ruse is up, you know? Yeah, exactly. You put people in, you back people into a corner. So he's lucky that the the conflict with Dwight primarily happened privately about the C ring instead of like him like telling Michael what to do. Yeah. You know, or like something like that. Some some sort of power play in public. Yeah, that was my question was, was that a good strategy for the situation or was it just lucky? Um. I think it was just lucky because I also think he could have done a lot of things. And if Dwight found out, well, I don't know. Maybe it did help to have him think it was okay and like act cocky and stuff. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Because I don't know what else he would do, you know? Without firing him. Yeah. Like I said, their relationship is such a delicate balance. And so when you tip the scales in a different direction, Mm -hmm. then um, hits the fan and... Dwight knows that now. Yeah. You know? So. Well, he'll never do that again. No, he won't. And then they just watch Varsity Blues together at the end, eating popcorn. Yeah. Well, the power dynamic really does take a shift. Whereas when Dwight was kind of before standing up a little bit and being that he just becomes like a total broken horse. And it's nowhere better seen than on Angela's face. Yeah. She's just like, oh. So disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's just with a goofy smile on his face watching the movie at the end and Angela looks so disappointed. Yeah, you can't you can't have Angela and Michael happy. Yeah. Dwight is stuck in between. Two worlds. Yep. Two and very twisted worlds. You know that Dwight is eating a short stack of pancakes and waffles? Do you think he's ravenous after a night of lovemaking? Probably. <laughs> gross and then he has m&ms later too oh yeah when he says do you want an m&m he says no thanks i'm stuffed that should have been enough if michael had been like a little more quick on his feet he could have just done the whole wait i thought you weren't supposed to eat how are you still stuffed if you know yeah but instead he has to do the m&m thing first because michael doesn't realize he basically already got him yeah (laughs) so he has to do it again that was that whole thing was so funny when he's looking in his mouth yeah Oh, you should floss. It reminded me of, how's my breath? Good, <laughs> not, not great. great. <laughs> you know, I really think that he wasted an opportunity there when he started like, looking at his mouth. He could have just been like, I don't see a crown. Yeah. <laughs> you, you figure that's where he's going. But it's like Dwight's so bad at flossing that it actually distracted him yeah. from what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Gross. Yeah. I can't even make a joke about this or make a fake comment. I, Crentice. I have to be honest. About flossing. <laughs> Dental hygiene. Very yeah. important. Yeah. You get gingivitis. Gingivitis. The first day of the year, I floss, you know? You do? No. I, this is Michael's, Michael's oh. New Year's resolution. Oh, yeah, bleeds. Blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, second drink, though. Second drink. Um, Speaking of second drink, you have two drinks. Yeah. What are you drinking? I think we should do second drink when we open our second drinks. Okay. You only did one, though. Yeah. And I did both of mine at the beginning. So (laughs) So it didn't work out. It's not really going to happen. Well, so one of my beers is the Brute IPA from Ska that we discussed last week, the Moral Panic. That I was drinking last week, right? Yeah. And the other one's a crappy Rolling Rock. Nice. R&R. And I'm drinking something crappy, too, but it's actually really good. It's a White Claw hard seltzer. I really like this. Yeah. They're better than um, LaCroix. What? 
Because it has alcohol in there. Oh, okay. Well, I guess in that way. Um, And it's also the best hard seltzer that I've had. This is the raspberry version, which is not my favorite flavor, but... What's your favorite flavor? Probably a grapefruit. Uh, pomplamoose? Pomplamoose, yes. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's talk about our dundies and ratings, unless you have anything else for this episode. No, but I had a really hard time deciding the dundee. Okay. Well, let's do ratings first. Or, okay. Or do you want... Yeah, let's do rating first. Okay. We'll just say it three, two, one, and then we'll say our rating. Okay, wait. And then we'll mention what number that is on a scale of seven, and then we'll okay. talk about it and okay. argue if we didn't agree. Okay. All right. Three, three two, two, one. Alfredo's, Alfredo's Pizza, Pizza Cafe. Cafe. Yes. No arguing. All right. This is a really normal episode. If it weren't for some of those fantastic lines that... It would be downgraded, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Fashion show at lunch. This would probably benefit from the time. Because even a lot of those, they're not as funny. It's just they're like, they're in my soul. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Fashion show at lunch and Crentist Mm -hmm. are, yeah. Yeah. It's just good. And I actually like this episode more since you found out that fact about Hug It Out Bitch, too. So So that's four out of seven. Alfredo's Pizza Cafe, yeah. Four out of seven on our scale that's weird and changes every once in a while. Yeah, with our mood. Okay. Now, you don't know about your Dundee yet, so I could do mine first, I guess. Okay, wait. Let me get it in my... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. I'm going to give mine to Karen. You don't use a sniper rifle in Karen. <laughs> Karenton. That's her Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you yeah, know, she's good at Call of Duty. She's She holds her own. She's helping jim a little bit and she's flirting with him and it's certainly better than just being an aggro loser like josh or andy in this case true so i don't know she's old old karen's getting what she wants i really like karen yeah honestly i think jim needs to put pam behind him and go for karen i just realized something what do you think it's symbolic that in scranton Jim is always facing Pam. And and sometimes yeah. Pam Pam's kind of facing the door, but she looks over a lot. But in uh where are we? Stanford. Stanford? <laughs> yeah. That Jim's facing she sits in front of Karen, so he really can't look at her. She's always looking at him so she can like give him those looks, but he can't give her those looks because he's the other way. Like what would he do? Roll his eyes or definitely know. symbolic. That's I never a realized good that before. Yeah. That's a good catch. It makes sense because there's so many different moments where you see Karen's face and like, you know, you can tell that she's crushing on him because she's always looking at him and yeah, you're right. And also none of the uh, office members face each other, really. They're kind of in a line and, you know, Josh is behind them so he could potentially see what they're doing on their computer screens, but not not like as approachable as Michael. Yeah, yeah. I do think that they have a nicer office, but I'm I'm not a really big fan of the way it's set up, honestly. Yeah, and I really like that they didn't go too far with that though. Like, yeah, it's not you like over only the top. See, well, and you only see Karen, Jim, yeah. and Andy's desk. It's like one corner of the office. It's a pretty small set, I think. Yeah, and you like there's one moment where you can see the break room because mm-hmm. Andy is saying like how there's this really hot girl over there right yeah but for the most part you don't really see much and that's nice because you're not really getting to know all of those people and 
But, you know, I'm, I'm just glad they didn't, like, make it, like, this is, like, corporate office. You know, it's different, but it's within the realm of a different regional manager. Yeah. They could make an office that different. They could have put a little bit more money into the sign with their budget surplus, maybe. You know? Yeah, like, so exactly. I, I think it's, like, not too over the top. We're noticing that stuff, but it's not, like, in your face. Like, no, in this place, everyone's in their cubicle and they don't get to, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. But who's your Dundee going to? I'm going to give my Dundee to Kelly. It's the fashion Dundee. Okay. Yeah, because you made a good point. She's really helping Pam out. And maybe it's because Pam is reaching out, but she's really encouraging and helping her get new clothes and bringing her on a date. And yeah, fashion show lunch. Yeah, Pam's kind of resistant. So Kelly is putting in the effort for sure. Yeah. So that's Kelly. I like that. Karen and Kelly. Ladies. Yeah, I know. And they don't really have an opportunity to get Dundies that often. So it's true. So it's not a pity Dundee, though. Not at all. No. Fashion show at lunch, Dundee. And one thing I noticed when I was watching the credits is Creed is still, Creed Bratton, the actor, is still a guest star. Weird. As is Karen, Andy, Josh, which makes more sense. But, but a lot of the other characters in the office have all been moved to like regulars yeah creed's not there yet hmm that's interesting i wonder if it had to do with his contract or something yeah i guess we'll have to keep an eye on it watch when he makes that big boost you know this is the kind of thing we could just figure out at any second because the show's been off the air for a while i want to act like we're gonna find out when it happens like the what was the quote that we were gonna keep our oh goodbye kelly kapoor (laughs) yeah we're gonna keep our ears open and we've got to keep our eyes open for when Creed becomes a regular. And our hearts open for when Karen and Jim get married. Yeah. Oh, that'll yeah. be great. Yeah. Glad he's over Pam. He was hung up on her for so long. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, why don't you go to our Facebook page at the Finder Things Club at Facebook.com. I don't know that's how that works. Facebook.com. <laughs> www.facebook.com it's a social media platform you may have heard of it it's called the facebook yes and you can find our our listener page and you could also if you wanted to you could rate us and review us on um apple podcasts yeah do it because we're gonna round those up and then read them yeah yeah that's a great thing to do and just make sure that nathan knows he's not alone in playing portal yeah portal portal 2 come on guys I know you're out there. You shoot the portals at the things. <laughs> it's a very popular game this time. Do we have anything else? Oh, email us at the off5podcast at gmail.com. And, and that's it. That's it. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. See you in hell. <laughs> I was just there. A nice um, brute IPA and then a rolling rock just to wash it down. Just to clear the palate in between sips of the actual beer. So I can hydrate. Yeah. Got it. Rolling rock is actually chemically identical to Gatorade. (laughs) You can can drink it when you jog. (laughs) And if you were to get oxygen...